Hello and welcome to the Loose Forward Podcast. I'm Andy. And I'm Callum. And we're all about Rugby League. The M62 and beyond. You stop, you stop putting your fist in the air when you do and beyond now. I know. It's disappointing. Well, get back into it. Okay. Good evening. Good evening. Um, where do we start this week? Quite an exciting episode this week. Isn't we have it? got an exciting episode this week. Yeah. Because tonight we are joined uh, by one of um, the most prominent rugby league journalists in the country. We are. And that is Gareth Walker from the Daily Mirror. We are. It should um, should be an exciting um, interview, if you like. Yeah, we're turning the tables, aren't we? It's us interviewing a journalist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, it should be good. And, and obviously we've got some real good matches as well to review. First round of the NRL playoffs as well coming up, so... You know they were they were excellent some of them as well. Yeah, we've no news this week, have we? Because a lot of the news stuff we're going to try and cover with Gareth, aren't we? Yeah, there's bits and bobs that can be thrown in with the games and stuff, and obviously a, a lot of what you know what's the big news this week. You know the the Ralph Rimmer sort of stuff. I think will will be brought up with with Gareth, and you know we'll touch on things like that. So I'm glad he's still alive. Who Gareth? No, oh. Ralph Rimmer. All right, no one's seen him for <laughs> about three years. Yeah, yeah. So it oh. was uh, well done, Ralph. I mean, we'll get on to that later. <laughs> we will. Other things this week: Emma Raducanu. Yeah, yeah. Excellent, wasn't she? Brilliant, brilliant. I was a bit upset that Novak didn't manage to do the Grand Slam, but yeah, it would have been nice to watch a bit of history. Yeah. Um, and then other the things men's. this week I've been reading a book about ultra marathon running where people run around mountains for like 100 miles and start hallucinating right didn't you do one of them once not 100 mile no you did a an ultra yeah yeah couldn't walk for about three days afterwards no it that was, was in, in the, the mountains though wasn't it? well well it was Bradford Moors, wasn't it? yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was um, Haworth, which is uh, Bronte country. Yeah. And it went down to uh, Todmorden in Rochdale and back. Ouch. You did it, though. I did do it. Yeah, well, you're right. Then, could you do it now? Yeah, of course could. Not today. I've got bad calf still, but, <laughs> but I've had jackapuncture this morning. So Very good. Um, yeah. And the only other thing I've got to report is that like, I can't get, for some reason, say hello, wave goodbye by soft sell out of my head. Because don't know, right? Don't know. Well, don't bring that up later. What with Gareth? Yeah. Okay. Right. Well. Anyway, I suppose we'd better say hello um, to Super League, hadn't we? Yeah. See how I work that in there. Yeah, it was good that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Super League is. I mean, a lot of the games, and with the top four being confirmed, a lot of them have been a bit dead rubbery. Oh, that's what I thought. But some of the, you know, Saints and Leeds, for example, Saints played excellent. Alex Walmsley, I don't know what he did on that day, but he needs to do it again. Because that was immense. Do you not think that Walmsley does that most weeks, though? Yeah. Maybe, maybe not to that extent, obviously, but... I think, well, he's he's the absolute pillar of that St. Helens pack, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, 
my personal view is is that he's the best player in the league. Yeah. Um and and I know that's a that's a difficult one when you've got so many talented half backs or full backs or whatever. But I just think the platform that he lays week after week against team after team who find it really impossible to put him down mm. and the energy that he takes off three or four tacklers every time he has a run. I think he, I, I think he's, you know, he's absolutely devastating every week. And I, I you know, because of that, I think he, and he, his level doesn't seem to dip. No, like you say, <clears throat> even when he's not making hundreds of meters, the effect that he still has on, on, a defensive line is is devastating because it takes three, four, five players to mm. to bring him down, and if they don't suffocate him, then that's what can happen, like it did on on Friday night. Yeah, and if if they do, it tires them out. So it's win win, really. It is, and also, for Saints anyway. Well, it is, and also when you look at things like. If you look at betting, for example, and you look at first and last try, mm. he's a prop, and he's only ever about fourteen to one. Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? You know, he, you've got his other front rower, um, um, Matty uh, Lees. Yeah, Matty Lees and um, Kyle. Kyle a- yeah, Kyle Amore. Sorry, um, they're about forty to one. Mm. Yeah. Well, on on Friday night, um, I read that Alex Warms had made two hundred and seventy-five meters. And the entire Leeds pack have made 295. Close run thing then. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it just, just goes to show what a monster game he had. Absolutely. I know that Leeds were either, whether it through injury or, or resting players, because I think they knew that they weren't going to win that game regardless. So, were they saving players for this week's fixture, which pretty much seals their their playoff? position doesn't it well it does but we'll come on to that later on but it's, it's a final in effect if yeah. if Castleford were to win on Thursday that becomes a final yeah so it's a dangerous game in one sense but you're right they did have and the players they did have in really didn't seem to I, I didn't really notice any Leeds players that were really uh, standing out really no, I don't think there was. It was a poor performance all round from Leeds, especially you know defensively conceding forty points, only scoring six. I think that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? Um, and the only other real thing that I took from that was Sione Matauti who got injured, didn't he? Um, who, and I only really bring it up because he's he scored. I think he scored three tries in the last two weeks. Like he's been mm. in in excellent form for Saints. I've not heard anything after the game about his condition. Have you? Um, I think I heard that. He was going to be okay, I think. Right. Um, obviously, he, he probably won't play this week, and then they've got a week um, a week off anyway. Gives him three weeks. That, in so yeah, so I think I think injury. he should be okay. Yeah, I think it was probably a nailed on bet as well. I think that Saints would um, uh, bounce back in really good fashion uh, after the um, the magic weekend dramas. Yeah, I, I don't think they ever really got out of second gear though, did they? But it's, you can only play what's in front of you. I think sometimes, to me, what these sort of games do show is that there's a there's a big gap not only between the top and the bottom, but a big gap between first and first and second, mm. and fifth and sixth. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, it, 
I mean, we've said it all year, haven't we? That the league's just been funny. I mean, you only have to look at the the teams in and around that fifth and fifth, sixth, seventh spot. You know, cast um, both whole clubs, Leeds. They're all they can either batter people or get battered the week, and and then they'll go and get battered the week after, won't they? So yeah, yeah. Um, one one team that didn't, I suppose, didn't need to really, but following on from the magic weekend, um, Catalan Dragons uh, being presented with the League Leaders Shield, mm. fantastic achievement for both the club and for Steve McNamara. Yeah. Um, and going eighteen nil up, but eventually losing thirty points to eighteen at home to Huddersfield. Yeah, and I, I I thought the way that that game started, I thought that it was. It was going to be a very, very heavy defeat for Huddersfield. You know, they went eighteen nil up, and all three of the tries, all three of the first Catalan tries, well, the only three Catalan tries, all came off like crossfield kicks in the end, and yeah, Huddersfield right. just had no answer. They couldn't cope with with the the aerial um, threat that, that Catalan were posing. No, that's right. And then Josh Jones got a try back, yeah, um, and that started um, a run. Um, Josh Jones signing a new three-year deal with the Giants this week. Yeah, and I'm sure that Huddersfield fans will be, be very happy with that. You know, he is a good player and you know, was, was was picked for the Great Britain squad, you know, a couple of years ago. So they'll, they'll be really happy to, to have kept him and, and keep him tied down, I think, for another three years. Well, we, I mean, we mentioned it, obviously, in our um, 10 to watch at the start of the season, but that back row for Huddersfield... Um, never really hit the heights this year, has it? So, no. Um, I do think he has been a a slight shining light in that Huddersfield team, though. In that dark shed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he's been like a five watt bulb. Or something. Well, they must they must rate him to give him a three year deal anyway. So, yeah, definitely. And you know, when I've watched him, especially over the last couple of weeks, um, he's been impressed really. So. Um, yeah, you know, in terms of this game, I like I said, I thought it was going to be lopsided to, to Catalan the way it started. And I know they were resting a few big names. I think uh, Tompkins was rested one. I think Cassiano maybe even um, had a week off. Um, but just to, to con- then concede 30 unanswered points is just a bit weird. Yeah, and and I think there'll be a lot of changes next season for Huddersfield. If the rumours are right that, that the Elfage is coming in, mm. uh, obviously Caesar's uh, on his way. Yeah, and they've missed him since he's been injured as well. Yeah, uh, but uh, I think there'll be big changes for Huddersfield next year, and I suppose that's when I think for me, Ian Watson then becomes under more pressure because he's had a year, and if you like a, a transfer summer. Um, and then it becomes his team more than perhaps what he inherited. Yeah, probably. I think the only way is um, up for Huddersfield, just because of the reasons you know you just said. Another year under Ian Watson, and and you know he probably inherited a lot of players that he might not have brought in if it was his choice. So, um, I, I think they'll be miles better next next season. Yeah. Ian Watson's former team, um, Salford, narrowly defeated 2019 at Warrington. Yeah, again, a game that you thought 
probably a, a sort of, I mean, it is a dead rubber game, I suppose, but I thought it was going to be a real sort of slugfest or bowfest just because neither team can move, can they, in the, in the table, really. No, I thought it lacked a bit of intensity, this game. Uh, that's it, like... It, it probably did, um, but it turned up turned out to be you know quite an enjoyable match. Um, there was a nice scenes at, at the beginning of the game. I think they had a guard of honor for Kevin Brown, yeah, uh, which was nice to see. Um, and Ken Seo was has had a really good season. He has, hasn't he? Yeah, and he, he impressed me again um, in this game. Do you think he'll still be at Salford next year? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I can never make mad about Salford. Sometimes they they they've had some poor defeats, but then they always seem to sort of like play sort of some some entertaining rugby mm. and give teams a game when perhaps you don't even expect them to. They really, I think from from more than any other team, they really are the ones that are really up and down mm. to to a greater degree than other teams. I think. Yeah, no, I agree and. And a game that they probably should have won, really, because the penalty that they give away to make it eighteen all was just completely needless. I think it was Danny Addy who come in with like a swinging arm and then got himself simbined. But there was just game management. Isn't no it, at that need point. for it. And then we've said this numerous times throughout the season that the discipline by Salford has cost them games. We have, yeah, we have. And again, it's done it again because then it became, um, and then it became a bit of a drop goal fest, didn't it? Yeah, it did, yeah. Yeah, back and forward, 78, 79 and 80 minutes, a job mm. goal in each. Yeah, and then take it to Golden Point and, and like the ones that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago at Magic, if it goes to Golden Point, you're thinking there's only one winner here. Mm. Yeah, and that was the case. Yeah. That was the case. Um, I was, uh, I was a bit perturbed this week around... The ground news from Salford, mm. um, that it looking like more and more like they're going to have to move out of the AJ Bell, yeah, um, because it looks like Sale and Salford City mm. uh, are moving in, and Sale had said, "Oh well, you know, we asked them did they want to move in, but they couldn't afford it, or to stay as tenants." Mm. I'm like, okay, I actually thought I, it, it must have changed, but I actually thought it was. City of Salford Stadium. I thought it was owned by the council originally, but I think it was originally. That, that must have changed, mustn't it? But must have done because wasn't it built for Salford Red yeah. Devils and then Sale Sharks after that? Yeah, yeah. Um, and now Salford City seems to be moving in, and they're talking about going to. But it was ground swap, isn't it? Yeah, they're going about going to Salford the football yeah, ground, more, uh, more Lane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a. It's an all right ground, but it's not a Super League ground, is it? It's it is a, a League One, yeah, national conference type ground. I don't know what the capacity is. I don't I, know what the I, I'm not is. sure. I wouldn't even like to guess. I don't think. But it might be. I mean, it might be more in keeping with the Willows, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Where they, where they can build a community home because the AJ Bell doesn't doesn't allow a Salford. To build a community, a rugby league community, does it? No, because there's nothing there. No, I mean I don't think. I mean, when Trafford the... Centre, <laughs> yeah, and that skydiving place where you do it indoors. Yeah, the the skiing thing, the indoor skiing thing. Ooh, that. I'm not doing that. 
No. Not into that. <laughs> Snowboarding, what's that about? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Skateboarding without wheels? Yeah. No. <laughs> Not having it. I... Don't do anything for me. You'd be on driving range next door anyway. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I, when they built the 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 ground, I'm not. You know, if it was purpose built for for the rugby league club, I'm. I don't think they were expecting to get the crowds that they were getting with it. I think they were hoping to, to build on the crowds because they never had attendances like that at the Willows, did they? No, and I think then, I think then people thought, and it is a and it is a difficult place to get in and out of as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah. There's one, no parking on the streets anywhere. One road there? in, one road out, and that's it. But the do way wanna, that they do used to, to run the, the... Do you want to tell the story of the car park of when of when you went once with your, with your friend? <laughs> yeah. Um... Well, when we first started going, the, the way that they used to do the car park was ridiculous. They used to car, park cars in, like, rows of three, didn't they? Block you in. So if you got blocked in or had to make a dash at the end of the game, you were knackered. And, that, like, you know, clap the team and and away we go. Like, But I want to be out as quick as I can because a lot of the time where we live, we, we have to travel yeah. further, don't we? So we want to make a quick getaway. Anyway, and, and there is literally one road in and out off that car park. Isn't yeah, there? so if you if you aren't at the front, you're knackered. Yeah. Anyway, so when I rocked up, um, I'd I'd gone with my mate, and as we pulled up to the the, the you know the car park attendant, I just said, "Listen, mate, is there anywhere we can park separately? Because my mate is a doctor and he's on call." Um, Should point so, out that your mates of Indian heritage at this point. Yeah. Well, yeah, he is. Yeah. So, you know, so I just told lo- him. Looking as though he actually does look like an, a he doctor. He could have been a doctor. On, he yeah. could have been on doctor on So call. I just said, listen, he's a doctor on call. Um, <laughs> we can't get blocked in. He was like, yeah, yeah, mate, no worries, no worries. And he pulled this these like cones away from this little primer. He was like, just stick it in there, mate, and I'll keep an eye on it. I was like, you're a legend. Nice one. And away we go. First out the door of ours on the way out. <laughs> Boom, first out the car park. It's a good job they want an incident in the crowd, though, wasn't it, where somebody shouts, <laughs> is there a doctor in the crowd? <laughs> yeah. Go on, mate, it's your time to shine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a real doctor. I'm a doc- Hi, everybody. <laughs> I'm a dentist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, yeah, it, it came in useful, didn't it? It did, yeah. It was very good. I like it. Um, didn't they, didn't they say at first, like, though, what's he what's he doing here then? Was just yeah, saying, he did. He's, yeah. He was like, well, you know, he's got a life outside of work, mate. Yeah, he's not, don't work in the hospital 24-7, yeah. you know. <laughs> I actually think he said it as we're walking away. And my mate just turned around and went, because I'm a legend and what's off. <laughs> oh, I'm committed or something. Committed, yeah. oh, dearie me, but... Yeah, I like that story. It's good. Yeah, I like that one. But yeah, I'm going back to the the Willow Stroke Moor Lane debate. I think it might give Salford a chance, and I hope it does. Yeah, I'd, I mean, l- I'd love to see Super League have a strong Salford. I, I agree. I agree. Um, it, the only thing that frustrates me about it is that it, it you know, it, it isn't a Super League ground, is it? And I know there's a, an argument for a few different grounds like that around the league, but. You know we're an elite sport, and with it, we are obviously like the Premier League of of rugby league, aren't mm. we? Super League, yeah. 
you wouldn't get. I mean, there would, I think Bournemouth got slagged off with their ground when they went in the Premier League. Like we can only dream of grounds like that. Yeah, and that's the only thing that frustrates frustrates me with it. But if it helps Salford kick on, and they like you say they can build that community home, then fair enough. Like I'm all for that. Yeah, yeah. To tell you who I'm annoyed with this week. Go on. Hull. Okay. I've been annoyed with Hull for like a few months now. Why? They should be better. Shouldn't they? Yeah. Let's be honest. They should, they should I mean, they, they should be better since... Let's be honest, right? They're one of rugby league's biggest clubs. Yeah. There's no, no question about that. Great support. Really good catchment area. Great ground, mm-hmm. history, and it's, and and like you've said in previous week, they've flattered to deceive. Yeah. So this is last chance saloon. This game at home to Wigan, mm. and really, to be honest, they, they're pretty much out of it anyway. Even if they win, they're pretty much out of it. They're relying on other other results going their way, and when when you get to that point, you've not done enough yourself. Well, that's it. If you're relying on other results, you don't deserve to be in. Do no, you? that's right. And then, really. Unless anyone can point me different, it's a complete bore fest. Mm. Nil nil at half time. Yep. Um, from what I was seeing and reading on that, neither team looked like scoring in the first half. And then Wigan have bulldozed their way over, haven't they, for two tries, mm. uh, which has sealed the game and, well, uh, sealed the end of whole season. I mean, it was a quick, a quick watch because the highlight video was like a minute thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's that's bad, isn't it? That's bad in itself. Well, I mean, I know shows, that I know show that, some big tackles. Show well, some. That's that's so, what I mean. Show some, knock on, show some knock on. Yeah, I mean, that's what, <laughs> was there any? I don't know because not. And I know that Super League aren't the greatest at the highlights videos, which is a rant that we've had in the past about the length of time. It, to be fair, they've been quicker at putting them up since that rant. So maybe they've listened. Still got no commentary. No, there isn't any commentary. But like, for example, the whole KR cast game this week didn't even show. Danny Richardson's drop goal, you know, before half time, mm. and it's just things like why are you not showing that because mm. he's, that's a point. Like, show yeah. it, and yet they'll show a conversion. Yeah, but they'll only show the odd conversion. Yeah, and it's just a bit like, uh, yeah, I know. Put what you mean. some more stuff in it. Yeah, I know what you mean, and there must have been more than exactly. Unless there wasn't, I don't know, but we'll we'll never know. No, we'll ne- we will never know. But Hull have annoyed me. Yeah, no, I... And they've annoyed me all, all season. Um, they've annoyed me for about 10 years, more. They should be, they should be better. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, the odd sort of Challenge Cup win doesn't paper over the cracks that that um, the, the, the problems there um, seem to be quite deep. Yeah. The league form has, has been terrible since... 2006 when they made the grand final. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we asked the question last week, didn't we, um, about Brett Hodgson? Yeah. And um, our regular Hull messenger, Nicola, uh, she um, she said that that he the the problem wasn't with him, 
what the problem was within the club else elsewhere, and he should have another season. Yeah. Oh, and she also said that uh, Sneed over Gale any day because we had that discussion, didn't we? Yes, we did have that discussion. So yeah. Yeah. But uh, but they just, I mean, I don't know what they need to, because to me they seem to have the players this year, mm. and they've had some really really good standout players. Mm. Um, Satire. He's been excellent, hasn't he? Yeah. And and Sal's been quite good. Yeah. The the the, the couple. The, they They've got the makeup, real, haven't they? Yeah, and it, Tumavave always impresses me. Yeah, um, Fanua, yeah, who's just like a, a man mountain, isn't, ball, he? Yeah. isn't he? But the thing, the thing that I, I'm not saying he does, but like he's obviously just like he's a bit like Leslie Vinicolo, isn't he? Mm. But he plays like a kitten. Mm. You like Tim of Arby, don't you? I like Tim of Arby. I think he's excellent. I think he's a very underrated player, and I think he's probably one of the best centres we've seen in Super League. It, it appears to me, I mean, we're looking from the outside, and it seems to me sometimes that they've got too many players that are comfortable. Mm. Yeah, it's like they need a real culture change, yeah. a real, real shake. Yeah. From you know the course so the five or six new signings that put pressure on people and yeah or that sort of signing that like Catalans have had when they signed James Maloney mm. that sort of well this is what I've done yeah. this is what I'm going to do this is what I'm going to I'm going to drag you up with me listen I'm a winner I yeah. want to win things and I only want winners around me yeah and that's the sort of attitude that they need they, they need to to have and it's all right going yeah you know we'll, we'll you know we'll, we'll win you know we'll try and win some trophies and it not no we need to win trophies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Wigan cementing fourth spot there. Somehow. Somehow. Don't know how. No, but uh, they have, and that puts them um, puts them firmly in the playoffs. So, Yeah, gives them a home tie, doesn't it, in the playoffs, which... And then <laughs> if it? all goes to plan, they'll probably be away at Catalans in a, in a semi-final, won't they? Yeah, you, yeah, you would have thought so. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, uh the other the other uh game that is two teams trying to get into those playoffs, all KR twenty six, Castleford nineteen. Tell you what, what an atmosphere. Always is at at, at Craven Park, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, what an atmosphere that mm. sounded. Um and I and I th- I really do think sometimes the crowd there pulls um pulls all KR to victory, I think sometimes. Yeah, right. I I agree, you know, the they're always chanting, and that surely, as a player listening to that, that gets you up. Yeah, gets you going. The the thing that so I, I think surprised me with this is when you realise when you look at it that Castleford have done a lot of work getting into the playoffs over the last few weeks, mm. but now we're in a situation where two losses and they're out. Yeah, and that's the first loss, and now they've got Warrington. So yeah. they, you know, they they put themselves in that position. You would think that Warrington would rest. Quite a number of players in in lead up yeah, because to, they haven't got the week yeah, off, have they? No, so you would think that they they it, would have a week. Uh, 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 well, some a lot of players would have a week off. If Castleford win, they play Warrington. Yeah. So, you know, 
I mean, from a Warrington point of view, I don't think you bother do you play in. So it's no. not like they're going to go, no. well, we'll lose to this one so we don't give anything away and then we'll play in the week after. It's like, well, not really bothered because yeah. whoever you face, you, I'm sure you're going to be confident of, of, of winning anyway. It's Otherwise, you are going to lose. It's a one-off game, isn't it? So I, I think Warrington will rest a lot of players and, and that'll sort of open the door then for, mm. for Cass. Um, I'm glad okay I won because... It, it makes the last week a lot more interesting. It does. It does make it a lot more interesting. Um, I know a lot of Castleford fans were going berserk at the Matt Parcel trying because... I was going to ask you about that. How did you see it? It was just a knock-on, wasn't it? He brings it back in with his left, if I remember rightly, brings it back in, but then it hits his right and goes forward. So why not go to the screen? Well, that's what I've got wrote down here. Why Why is he not gone to the screen? But the next try... When he's right on the... When James Child, wasn't it? Is that the Lynette try after yeah. that? Yeah. And he's right on the spot. Yeah. And he can see he crashes over, yeah. puts the ball on the line, yeah. and sends it up Sends it up to the video ref. Yeah. I mean... <sighs> it's like, oh, I've sent this one up just to show that... Yeah. And I, I know I, that, I don't get it. I know that we sort of go, Matt, why is he going to the screen? Why is he going to the screen? But at the end of the day, if that helps us get the right decision, then he's got to do it. And I think as well, not only is it a vital game, you know, to send it up, mm. but it's a vital part of the game. Yeah. It's not like it's like 48 nil and they've scored it and he's like, he's give it. And the Parcel no. one, it took him a while to give it, like he was having he um, an ex- a conversation with, the, with one the of touch his touches. Judge. Now, the touch judge obviously hasn't seen that ball go forward off his, off his other arm, has he? Mm. And I, I thought, oh, well, he's having a conversation. He must be going to the screen. And the touch is on the other side of the field, though. That he's it was. At. It was on the far side, wasn't it? And I, I'm, I, I don't really. I, I mean, I don't know what the conversation was about, but I've no idea why he's not gone to the screen on that. No. Um, no. I mean, that Cru- puts it crucial. to that put it to nineteen, eighteen, nineteen. Yeah. That crucial. Um, yeah, it was like you say, but as a neutral, makes the last week very interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, enjoyed that game. Yeah. Uh, and then another terrible prediction from us last week. <laughs> we were talking about Wakefield getting five out of six wins, weren't we? Yeah. Or four out of five, whichever. Five out of six, I think they were on for. Um, only to go down 26-18 to Lee. Yeah. Weird, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it, it is, and Lee, again, crowd were up for it. Lee were up for it. Wakefield didn't seem to be, and maybe that's a Wakefield problem of where they are at the minute, where they can maybe they really just... turn it on. And, and perhaps a look at Wakefield in a similar vein to Salford. Maybe. Maybe they just thought they had to turn up to this one. Maybe that's what Salford did, I don't know. But um, Ryan Braley was, was excellent. Yeah. 18 points. Well, if you give him space to play... Tri- I think he got two tries, kicked the goals. Absolutely. If, if you give him space to, to play and do what he wants, he'll, he'll orchestrate and things. His, and his two try-saving tackles were, were excellent. I don't yeah. know if you saw them. Yes, I did. Um, yeah. With him make the breaks down the wing, and, yeah. and I think he puts one into touch, doesn't he? And then just manages... I think Reece Lynn stops him short of the line. Um, but Ian Thornley's defence for, for both of them. Oh, my God. God, I've never seen anything like it. And he's supposed to be going back to Wigan, isn't he, next year? Yeah, there's probably a reason why they haven't announced that yet. Yeah. <laughs> my, after that, after those tackles. Well, my wet paper def- my wet paper towel defence the week doesn't go to Lee, it goes to Ian Thornley. Just him. 
on his, on his own. own. Just on his because own. Because it was just shambolic. Yeah. So, um, I've never really seen an individual defend so badly. Yeah. But, I mean, apart from that... Except uh, for me when I played Masters. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Was it Burst and Ian Thornley? Um... No, because he was in the defense. You were, you know, playing fullback. Yeah, I wasn't there so, for that. I was yeah. there. I was there in like some sort of like Ben Barber esque role to, to join in and show me speed. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I didn't see you show that, but <laughs> if that's what you're saying, show me plod. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but before we move on, the last thing on this. Um, I think it's, and I think this is really important for me, and I feel a little bit. I need to say it. Um, I've got an apology. Have you? Mm. Yeah, this is big. I know, I know. Um, and it's to Derek Beaumont. <laughs> I don't know what you're laughing at. This is a serious apology. All right. I've been, you know, I've been really annoyed at this jacket. Yeah. Um. And I've, I've mercilessly like just taking the mickey out of this this jacket haven't i yeah um and i i do think i've gone too far now and i do need to apologize okay. um it's a hoodie not a jacket well that was very big so of apologies for that um it is but it is a hoodie right i did see the front version of it which was half leopard and half jaguar just black <laughs> just jaguar uh panther yeah so i do need to apologize for that um, and Lee might not be going down. <laughs> I think we need to ask Gareth about that one and, and what he knows about that. Yeah. But uh, Derek Bowman is insisting that there's a, a legal challenge going in, isn't there? For... And he, he slagged the players off in his programme notes as well, didn't he? That was the other thing I was going to say. If you think I'm annoyed, I, I was really annoyed at Lee last week. Do you remember? If yeah. you think I was annoyed, well, Derek Bowman's obviously been listening to the pod because he, he put it in his programme notes. And he even said on it that, like, the, the sort of attitude that uh, that um, uh, that made John Duffy lose his job, and perhaps he shouldn't have done. Yeah, yeah, he did say that, didn't he? he, he but he <laughs> really laid into him saying how bad it was they got rolled over in the second half at Manchester. Exactly what we said. Yeah, and and he'd had a meeting with him, and he didn't agree with some of the personal views, and yeah, um, but he wasn't going to get into it. But yeah, basically, but they won't be at the club next year. It's work because they won. Well, yeah, yeah. He strikes you as one of these, Derek Bowman. He might not be in the coach next year as well. <laughs> Plus style. Fucker or something. <laughs> Jackie Moon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> he used to be a bloke at Droylesden Football Club that, that, you know. A guy called Dave Pace. He was the chairman at Droylesden. Mm. And he used to have all these managers. And in the end, he said, do you know what? None of them are any good. I can do it myself. And yeah. ended up managing the team himself. I remember that. Strange. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I think that just about wraps us up for Super League, doesn't it? It does. It's Bobby Stats of the Week. That's right. It's time for Bobby's Stats of the Week. And as always, he's on the phone. How are you, Bobby? Hello. <laughs> How's your week been, Bobby? Well, it's not been too bad. Just uh, pretty much working. A little bit of golf going in, really. Mm, excellent. Did you uh, manage to watch any live rugby league this week? 
no, I didn't, unfortunately, which was a bit of a shame. Uh, do you want to tell us why you couldn't go to a live game this week? Uh, yeah, my uh, my fiance booked us a a weekend away in Preston. <laughs> So that, that sounds quite exotic. Well, I mean, it's just nice, isn't it? I mean, we we can't really travel a lot because of the COVID situation at the minute. So it's just nice to just get away for a bit. No, you're right. And what did you do instead of watching rugby league? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I went to go and see a wrestling show. <laughs> <laughs> and... Any anything else that you did on your weekend away that you want to report back? Oh, do you mean when I went curling? Yeah, <laughs> you went curling. Do you know what? I was just as skeptical as the next person, but I'll tell you what—it was great fun. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to be in the Olympics next time round, the Winter Olympics well, you know, in the curling. I've got three. I've got three years to train for it, so you know, never say never. Personally, I think you'd be a bit tired doing all that brushing. So, I'm more of a I'm more of a stone pusher kind right. of guy. Okay. Is that the is that the official term for it? Stone stone pusher. pusher. You better um, start learning the lingo first, haven't you? Well, I, I, do you know what they're called? Yeah. What then? Uh, pusher of stones. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough <laughs> of this nonsense. This non rugby league nonsense that you haven't yes. bothered with this week. Have you bothered with any stats this week with not being involved in rugby? League? I've still got my stats. Don't you worry. Okay. How many have we got this week then? Uh, we've got seven. Okay. Let's hear them then. Number one. Okay. Number one is former London Broncos and Bradford Bulls player. Uh, might remember him from Super League. Paul Sykes uh, scored 2,500 career points playing for Dewsbury this weekend. Not all in one match, obviously. Well, no. That's why it's a career point. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he scored 2,500 points for Dewsbury this weekend. No, I did say I think that's a career point. All right, well done. That's a, that's a tremendous achievement. It is. Well done. Okay, number two. Uh, St. Helens have now beaten Leeds for eight times in a row and have not lost the lead since 2018. It is the longest win streak between the two clubs. Well, if, if we'd have known that, we could have got our Leeds correspondent on Jordan for his thoughts on that, couldn't we? Well, I mean, we could have done. Yeah, but uh, a good stat all the same. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, Hulk KR have completed a league double over Castleford for the first time since 2010. It is also the first time they have back-to-back wins over the Tigers since the last game in 2012 and the first game of 2013 that they played each other. Mm, We've just been mentioning that before you came on air and how crucial that was and could be uh, leading Mm. to the final round of games. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Next one. Uh, next one, we go to Australia, uh, and it's not a good omen for the Parramatta Eels, who have been eliminated in the second week of the playoffs, three of the last four seasons. Okay. And 
Callum, who do they, who do they play this week in the, the second round of it? The Panthers. Ah, right. So that's even that itself is not That's not a good omen either, is it? <laughs> no, it's probably not. You're right. <laughs> okay. Uh, what number are we on now? Uh, we've got three more to go, so uh, that makes it number five. Okay. Uh, David Fafita for the Gold Coast Titans scored 17 tries this year. Uh, there have only been two other forwards since in NRL history uh, to actually outscore him in a regular season. Mm. Uh, they were Frank Burge for Glebe in 1918. Yeah, Frank, and... Frank, they called him. That's the second time Glebe have come up on this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you're right, actually. Yeah, big Frank. And Steve Menzies of the Manly Seagulls in 1997. What a player he was, though, as well. Crazy to think how long he went on for. Yeah, absolutely, well. yeah. Mm. Okay, number six. Uh, unfortunately... Uh, Andy, you're probably not going to like this one uh, too much. But Sam Walker has become the youngest player in finals history to kick a match-winning field goal. That was ridiculous how they lost that, the Titans. <laughs> he likes slagging you off in these uh, stats, doesn't he? He, he does, doesn't he? Singling you out. <laughs> yeah. right, move on to number eight. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit easier when you support the Titans. Callum, you support the Bunnies. There's not really a lot you can sort of go at them for these days uh, not the mighty mighty bunnies <laughs> uh, move on to number 8 sorry number 7 move on to the last one then last I'm going to gloss one. over that one <laughs> number 7 uh, Ray Stone of the Parramatta Eels has become the first player ever to record no attacking stats for, for a professional game his stats for the game against the Knights on the weekend were zero runs, zero run meters, and zero offloads. However, he did make 50 tackles and didn't miss a single one. That's, how's he done how's that? How's he done that? That's unbelievable. Isn't it? That's crazy. Is it, how's he not had the ball? Oh, yeah. I'm not sure, to be honest with you, but yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a bonkers one. Wow. I think you need to do some more digging on that one, Bobby. That was a good one to end on. <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. Good on that, I like so. that. All right, listen, thank you very much. No worries at all, and have a good rest of the show, guys, as always. And we will speak to you soon. Yes, you will do, Uh, and I look forward to it. You go and practice your uh, curling. I will do indeed, don't worry. All right. Got to get that brush in action. Okay. (laughs) All right, (laughs) bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Well, thank you as always, Bobby. I like that one at the end. It was good. Though. I've never heard of that before. No, no attacking stats. Yeah, never heard of that. But yeah, he's made fifty tackles. That's what blew my mind. It's weird. Um, anyway, I think we're going to change things up very, very slightly. We're going to very quickly run through the NRL, aren't we? Because then that leaves us a bit more time to just chat with uh, Gareth through stuff. It does, and there's not many matches, to be honest, so we just need to no. uh, just run through them quickly. But I believe we've got a bit of a treat, haven't we? We have. I've done this, uh, I've done a new jingle for the NRL. I like it. Are you ready? Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm more than excited. Are you ready? It's time for the NRL. 
a knife? This is a knife. That's not a knife, that's a spoon. <laughs> that's my new uh, NRL intro. <laughs> that's class. You like that? That's class. I was well proud of that. Yeah, we do need a couple more jingles, don't we, for like special guests and things like that as well, don't we? Yeah. So I like that, though. That's brilliant. I like that. Oh. So in the um, in the elimination games, um, Eels 28, Knights 20. Um, Blake Ferguson, two tries, but then got done twice as well with, with cut-out balls and mm. missing tackles and things. That, that pass from Ponga to the wingers is one of the most beautiful passes in rugby league. It's like an arrow, isn't it? It's just unbelievable. Like an arrow. Unbelievable pass. I know he's played for the Kangaroos and stuff, Ferguson, but I've never really thought that much of him, to be I honest. I really like him. Do you? I think he's quite good. I think mm. he's a bit underrated. I think it's because he's not lightning quick, and I yeah. think that's what... Yeah. He's more strength, isn't he, than, than lightning quick. He doesn't catch the eye like a like a fox, does he? You know... I think he's been a very, very good winger. Yeah. I really do. Um... What did you make of the um, the Gutherson knock-on for the try? Well, it was a knock-on. There's no... But... And I know what you're going to say, but go on. The, uh, the, they were saying that the rules were that if you're attempting to kick the ball deliberately, then you can do a drop kick. Yeah. Yeah. But, 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 it, it, but the thing with that is, right... And I, I understand that it's it's a try. By the letter of the law, that is a try. But he isn't going for a drop goal, so you don't need to drop kick it. It's no. a knock-on. He'd gone to kick it, but he's hit the ground first and then he's kicked it. It's a knock-on. It's not going for a drop goal. Has he gone to kick it because that's an afterthought because he's got wrapped up? Maybe, which makes it even worse. Which, which I was going to say, which then makes it but definite I, knock-on. But I understand that by the letter of the law... That they had to give it, yeah. Because if that's in the rules, then it's in the rules. But it shouldn't be, and they should change that almost immediately. Yeah. And then, do you want to talk us through the penalty try, uh, Penasini? The penalty try. Yeah, that was the. That one wasn't it with the the Gutherson when he dropped it. Yeah, it was. But then after that, well, after that, obviously he, he not he not he drops it, but kicks it. So he said that's fine, and then he's he's running through, is it, and he gets taken out by the, uh, the 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 ninth player. Do you think in the NRL, to to me, it seems that they're more apt to give in penalty tries than they are over here? Yeah, there was a there was one in the um, Roosters game and the Titans game that I'm sure we'll come on to. Where I thought they were going to give one to Victor Radley, but they said that the. The, the fullback was too close, but Campbell, I thought yeah. that was going to be given um, because there was still sort of a defender in the vicinity in this one, and yeah. I, I I don't know, but I but, do I do think that they are more n- no nonsense when it comes to as in tries, as in yes, he would have scored. Yeah. Whereas we we they say oh you have to be hundred percent certain, but they more say well he's going to catch that and he's going to score. Well, we, we we yeah we hum and ha about that. Yeah, mm. it's, it's a, there's a very very different interpretation on that. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, I I think that um, we need to be more like that. So, I I mean, I didn't really have an issue with it. It was more the the, the kick. 
air quotes, kick. Yeah. Like, but it was a knock-on. But end of the day, they're not going to be bothered and they're through to the prelims. And the game's gone as you expect. Mm. Um, although their opponent in those prelims aren't, probably aren't what they were expecting. Definitely not. Panthers 10, Rabbit 16. That South Sydney have turned this playoff on its head. Well, it can no longer have the Storm and Panthers final. No. And the Rabbit O's have left it really much open for themselves to make the grand final. Absolutely. They? They've just turned it on its head, haven't they? Everyone was going to say, everyone, every single person has said it's going to be a Panther Storm grand final. And it's it's not now. No, it's a real physical game, this one. Yeah. Um, highlights of this were Nathan Cleary's banana kick grubber. Unbelievable to, for the opening score. Unbelievable. Because he kicked that really hard. Yeah. But he knew it wasn't going to go out. It was just a ridiculous... Trusted himself. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we were saying... Uh, well, I said a few weeks ago that... Um, I think it might have even been when they were playing the, the Panthers um, that if it gets into an arm wrestle, they don't win. And they only win when they are in the opposition's half and are really sort of on top and, and can do all this high-octane stuff. And yet, the defence was just all about effort, wasn't it? And it was there and yep. and, and actually won an arm wrestle. Yeah. Um, I still can't believe the Rabbit Oars are letting Adam Reynolds go, to be quite honest. No, I can't. It's crazy, that, I think it? it's just uh, in, 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 impossible to comprehend for me, that one. Um, the other thing that was impossible to comprehend for me was how the Gold Coast Titans didn't win in the last minute against the Roosters. All he had to do was was pass it to Fafita or go himself and keep... He literally did the worst thing possible because even if he'd have got tackled himself, they still had 20 seconds on the clock. Yeah. To, yeah. to try and, 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 and win. And two tackles. Yeah, to try and win. But all he had to do was give it to Fafita. They were five yards out. Nobody nobody on this planet would have stopped David Fafita from scoring that try. Which is pretty much what Bobby's just said in his stats. Yeah. Or he gives it out to Corey Thompson on the wing and he just dives over in the corner. Yeah, he made a mess of it. And he had a right spray at him, didn't he? Yeah. But just, Deservedly. Yeah. But then there was a big thing about that. Like, oh, should he have been doing that? Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. he should have been you, doing you that. Cost your team a place in the in the next round. If that was in the tenth minute of round three, you'd It'll be thinking, be. "Calm down, mate." Yeah. But the season's on the line. There. Excellent. I agree. The uh, Jared Wallace try was funny. It was funny. Just Ikevalu just pretty much passed it to him, didn't he? Yeah. Ran out with it, spilled it. He caught it five yards out and just ran in and dived yeah. over. Yeah. I thought Jared Wallace had a really good game. Uh, he really impressed me. Yeah. And again, my pet hate a wall for the winning drop goal. Mm. It, they need to sort that out. Yeah, yeah, they do. These need blockers, to sort that out. these these blockers are, are getting it's getting silly. Well, there was a a big thing um, in the 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 panthers and rabbits thing. There's been a bit of um, war and the words exchange between Cleary and Bennett. Yeah, um, Ivan Cleary. That is. Yeah, um, and about this, this well, he's it in our kicker late, um, and Bennett's saying, well, they shouldn't be, their their blockers are uh, making beelines for our defenders, and they shouldn't be doing that. And it's a rule that needs, it's one of these niggles that's gotten into the game yeah. and it's, needs, you know, nipping in the bud. The high pressure situations, aren't they? Yeah, this time of year, accusing right. each other of influencing referees and things. But yeah. to be honest, Bennett made clear he looked silly, and he took him to school. He took him to school. Pre-match, took him to school. During the match, and took him to school. 
post match yeah. in the in the press conferences. Like yeah. he he made Ivan clear he looked silly yeah. all day. You don't mess with the master, do you? No. And out coached him as well. Yeah. Yeah. You just don't mess with Bennett. Um and then Storm forty, Seagulls twelve, a surprise of the one sidedness of that score. Um but Storm again you talk about the master and you talk about Craig Bellamy in that in that realm, I think. That was a Bennett um a Bellamy masterclass, wasn't yeah. it? Um I think the big jewel in that we talk about jewels and we've talked about hookers and things before. Um but uh, Pappenhausen versus Turbo Tom only had one winner, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And Pappenhausen was back uh, to his best, wasn't superb. it? The only other comical moment in this game was the Jason Saab try. Oh. Yeah, they got a twenty meter restart, didn't they? The the Sea Eagles. And um I think it was Garrick's picked it up, took it to the twenty, booted it. And it, it landed, what, 20, 10 on the, the, the Storms, 20 or 10. Yep. And all Loomy Loomy, the winger has to do is pick it up. He goes to slide on it for some reason. He goes to slide on it. There's nobody within 10 yards of him. It's his knees. It goes towards the try line. Jason Saab, who is like a rocket anyway, <laughs> runs past him, picks it up and scores. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I know, I know. But Storm look impenetrable, I think. They've just got that steeliness about them haven't yeah. they yeah excellent so just on that now in the playoffs for that uh, winners uh, winner takes all losers out now uh, we're now on to the Sea Eagles against the Roosters Sea Eagles and the Panthers against the Eels Panthers but I do think the Eels have got a real chance because I thought the Panthers looked pretty flat and a bit nervous. against the Bunnies a bit nervous I mean they've been the best team for for two years really haven't they without winning it yeah yeah and um, but I, I think the Eels, I think the Eels have got another gear in them, and the Panthers looked a bit flat. And I, I, I'm not saying the Eels will win, but I think they've got a really good chance. Yeah. Oh. Let's see you. Let's see who progresses to those semi-finals this week. Then. Yeah, absolutely. You call that a knife? This is a knife. That's not a knife. That's a spoon. I still like that jingle, Callum. Yeah, I love it. It's good. Right, highlight of the week time now. Uh, I'm so pleased that we have with us Gareth Walker, the rugby league correspondent from the Daily Mirror. Uh, and it's a real pleasure to have you on board, Gareth. Hi, guys. Hope you're both well. Yes. Very well. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, yeah, no problem. Um, I suppose it's a bit of a... a, a a table's turned, isn't it? It's like you not it's normally you asking the questions. It's gonna be us tonight to you. It's a bit of a it's a new experience <laughs> for you, this. It is, yeah, it's a bit different, definitely. I'd rather be asking them normally, but uh, I'm uh, more than happy to, to have a chat with you guys. <laughs> Brilliant, thanks. Um do you, just um how did uh, you end up as the, the rugby league correspondent, Gareth? Was that some is rugby league something that's always been in your blood, or is it something that you sort of fell into journalistically, if you like? No, it was definitely rugby league first. Um, I was very much brought up with rugby league. I'm a, I'm a Rochdale lad for my sins, so I was getting taken to watch Hornets from about the age of five. Um, there was never any football in our house, really. It was always rugby. Um, and then journalism-wise, I got to about 16, had no idea what I wanted to do, really. And it was as simple as a careers officer coming to school and, and asking you know, what I like to do in my spare time, which was all rugby-related. 
what was my favourite subject, English, and, and why don't you start trying to write about rugby a bit then? So I wrote off to a, a few people, including League Express, and got a few replies and, and started from there, really doing work experience at first and, and working at League Express through my summers. And I carried on doing that all through sixth form and uni and, and moved into it full-time afterwards. Smashing. I remember going to some games myself at the old uh, athletic grounds when it was Rochdale Hornets. That's, I mean, that's going that's going back really some, but... Um, yeah, I can just about remember. So my first couple of seasons with the athletic grounds, my first season was 86, 87. Um, so I can just about remember standing on those crumbling terraces with my granddad and my dad. Um, and despite all of that and the surroundings, I still fell in love with rugby league and the yeah. fact that Rochdale were always at the bottom of the league. Yeah. I think but yeah, have, that's where it started for me. Didn't they used to have stock cars and something there, didn't they, at the athletic ground or something like that? They did, yeah. That was a bit before my time, yeah, yeah but they I had just, a track around the outside. That's right. I just, I, yeah, I remember going to some midweek games when there was, you know, when you could just go and, like, just pound the gate midweek and it was great. So, yeah. So, um, so if we go on to, if we first of all, Gareth, I, I want to ask you about, this season, um, it's been a strange season because I think for a start, people struggle to work out the, the point percentage uh, table. Um, how, how do you compare this season to others gone by? I mean, it's probably in a similar category to, to last season that the sport just needed to find a way to, to get through it as credibly as they could do really in difficult circumstances. I uh, fully understand what you're saying about the point percentage. And, you know, I start, still can't fully get my head around some aspects of that. Um, but the sport needed to carry on playing. It needed to be on TV. And, 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 you know, it's not ideal that, you know, clubs have played, you know, some have played five more than others, haven't they, I think, come the end of the season. Um, but it's just the way it's turned out. You know, there's, there's a lot of things in, in life at the moment that aren't ideal and we have to find imperfect fits for. And, and rugby league has been one of them. What, what I would say is, I think the players and the coaches deserve a lot of credit for getting us to this stage. Which, you know, even us as journalists wouldn't be fully aware of some of the stuff going on behind the scenes in terms of, you know, players playing with injuries or minimal preparation and, you know, numbers of games in small number of days together. I think they've gone above and beyond again. And, you know, we've got to the end of the season as a sport. And, and the last couple of weeks since Magic, I think, have been terrific. So what has been a difficult year, hopefully we can all end on a, on a relative high now. Yeah, totally agree. We've we've said on the pod that the last couple of weeks have been really, really uplifting with some of the games that have gone on. They've been a real high quality and real entertainment. So, yeah, I think you're right. Um, just on, I, I want to move us on, if we can, where we're at. We talked about points percentage and we're in. We're getting near the business end of the season now. Um, we, at last, I understand what needs to happen for the playoffs. <laughs> so, so... Um, Basically, I think I'm right in saying if Castleford lose to Warrington, then Hull KR yep. and Leeds are both in. Yeah. And if Castleford win, they're in, and the winners of Hull KR and Leeds are also in. I think that's I think that's right, Callum, is it? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So yeah, that's my understanding. Yeah, anyway, I hope, I hope yeah. you're right. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's took me two games to the end of the season to work it out, but I think that's where we're at. Um. So I just want to touch on those with you first, Gareth. From from your point of view, the um, uh, first of all, the, the, the Cass and Warrington game is that going to go Cassie's way to um, to put pressure on Hull Carr and Leeds, or do you think they'll have they'll have a free ride on Friday? Well, I think the neutrals will probably want a, a Castleford win, won't they? So we get another kind of playoff game between Leeds and Hull Carr. Um, 
I think a lot of it comes down to whether Paul McShane plays. You know, I think you know he's probably the most uh, influential player in the competition in terms of his team. You know, when he plays, they can look a lot different to when he doesn't. We're still not sure he's in the squad, isn't he? But we're not certain that he's going to play. I think if he plays, it possibly gives them an edge. You know, the fact they're at home. Um, you know, it's Daryl Powell's last game. If they lose, it's Michael Shenton's last game. If they lose, because he's announced his retirement today. Uh, all that might just add up in, in Castleford's favour, but you know, Warrington have named a strong squad and it looks like they want to go into the playoffs on a bit of a roll as well. So it's, it's a fascinating game, really looking forward to it. Yeah, we thought that we th- we actually thought that Warrington might rest a few players, but as you said, they've named, uh, we've just seen it now as we've been talking and they've named a, uh, a pretty strong squad, haven't they? It's almost similar to that that uh, Parramatta thing we were talking about a couple of weeks ago about whether they rest players or whether they carry on that yeah. momentum. Going yeah, into yeah I think I think the George Williams Gareth Widdop factor plays for Warrington. You know, it's it's a newish halfback combination that only started halfway through the year. It was a bit COVID disrupted at first as well. I think so. They they wouldn't have had a huge amount of training together. So I think the more that they play with their first choice combinations, the better for them because they haven't had that full season with the spine of the team like a lot of the rivals have had. Yeah. Mm. So, let's say, let's go Catalan and Saints obviously leading the, the playoffs, aren't they? Uh, sorry, they get a week off. Who do you think will play Catalan and who do you think will play Saints come that second week of the playoffs? Yeah, so, out of the other teams, you know, I still think Warrington are the ones with the chance to upset the apple cart if they can string like three performances together. You know, we've seen in patches Warrington this year when when Widdop was firing earlier in the season. You know, Williams has had his moments since. If they can put it all together, I think they're a team that can come out of that bottom four of the playoffs and, and potentially challenge for the title. So I, I do fancy them to get through. It'd be interesting to see who Wigan play. You know, Wigan have found a, a way to win, haven't they, in recent weeks? It's been a bit ugly, yeah. um, but at least they've kind of turned the tide. So, and any of those three teams, you know, whether it's OKR, Leeds or Cast, they're going to have been playing playoff football aren't they for a week earlier than the others you know they're in sudden death territory already which has to be a factor so I do fancy Warrington to progress I think I'd wait and see who we're going to play in and see mm. how their opponents go into that match to, to see who else might prevail yeah do you still see um I mean Catalan have been fantastic haven't they this year and um there's two questions I suppose one is um how important for the um, for the game is Catalan's success and that of Toulouse really, um, but do you st- also do you still see Saints as the team to beat going towards the grand final? I, th- I think if Saints get everything right on the day, they are the best team from what I've seen. Um, you know they've had a, a couple of blips this year, including obviously that incredible late kind of collapse against Catalans, um, but I think if they're on the game. Uh, even they've shown even in the last few weeks that they can cope without the first choice halfback. You know, Farge has been out for a while, but Lomax has been missing and and Dodd and Wellesby have really stepped up. You know, Worms is absolutely on fire and and guys like Roby and Knowles are just so consistent that I think, you know, despite them finishing second, they probably are the favourites. I imagine they will be the bookmakers' favourites at this stage. Uh, Catalans is, is the interesting one, isn't it? They've been so consistent this year, which is what they've been missing from the game. And, you know, as you mentioned, it's it's a good time for French rugby league generally, isn't it? With Toulouse, I think the game over there is on a real high, mm. and Catalans and Toulouse doing well between now and the end of the year would would only bolster that ahead of you know what we're expecting to be a France England match in Perpignan as well. Yeah, yeah. I was also reading today about the uh, the plans for the rugby league World Cup in twenty twenty five and the amount of projection of uh, tickets sold and things like that were, were really encouraging as well from from the um, uh, rugby league in France. 
Oh, I think that could be massive for the sport and, and not just for the sport in France, but for in England as well. It, we would benefit immeasurably from having a really strong, exciting French national team to play against regularly, uh, especially if we could go over there and, you know, play in front of big crowds down there. Um, you know, I've been lucky enough to, to cover a, a handful of games over there. And when, when they do get those big attendances, the atmosphere is fantastic. Um, you know, Toulouse are playing an absolutely terrific brand of rugby league that, you know, if you can get that on a national level, it would excite people. And I think it would genuinely be good for the sport over here as well to have that that competitor and that rival that, that we don't have in the Northern Hemisphere at the moment, really. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, right, I'm going to put you on the spot a bit. Who lifts the Super League trophy come the end of the grand final? <sighs> I, I still think St. Helens, with the kind of caveat that they've They've got the potential banana skin of Warrington, maybe, who have done well against Saints in big games, haven't they? Yeah. Um, I think if they end up playing each other in the semi-final, I fancy the winners of that to win it. If, if I was putting my money on it right now, I think I'd still have to stick with Saints overall. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it goes back to you know sort of what you were saying before about who finishes in that that fifth, sixth place, mm. because I think it depends on on whether Wigan can get past that, yeah. that sixth place and then. Who plays Catalan, so it's. I think it's pretty open, really, on one half of the draw. Yeah, yeah, I think it's exciting. I think genuinely, you, know, you, you guys mentioned Magic Weekend. I think you were spot on that. That Saturday night, especially, just kind of reinvigorated everybody, didn't it? Whether you were there at the ground or watching it on TV, to have that incredible finish with Saints Catalan, and then back-to-back Golden Point games with a probably above what what some people would have feared attendance in the ground as well and it was on live TV and I think that's given everybody a bit of a lift and we've seen a couple of great games since then and hopefully that that can be a real springboard for these playoffs because there's some great matches coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Gareth, at the other end of the table, um, obviously we've seen, I mean, there was debate earlier on a few weeks ago about whether they'd actually have relegation. Then it came out that that Lee had been relegated and now um, we see Derek Beaumont looking to pose some sort of legal challenge. What 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 do you make of that situation at the bottom of the league? Right, it's typically rugby league messy, isn't it, in a way? Um and it's come to do with, you know, the not playing the number of games, I guess, and mm. talking about Toulouse, but there are a number of factors to think about, isn't there? I mean Toulouse haven't definitely won it yet and been promoted, which is the first one. Um, so if the argument is based on the fact that Toulouse have only played a, a relative handful of games, that, that won't matter if Featherstone or Halifax or Bradford win it. Um, you know, Lee last year were promoted with, was it four or five matches played, albeit in different circumstances? Mm. Um, these are all imperfect scenarios to the current situation, but everybody knew what was going on um, this year. You know, Toulouse, it's not their fault that part-time teams haven't been able to travel because of quarantine situations over here. Um, they've put their hand up to play. They've staged some home games in England and gone above and beyond in that respect. And I don't think it would have mattered whether Toulouse played 30 games this year. I think they probably would have won them all looking at that squad, yeah. the average points per game and the style in which they're playing. So um, I think this whole legal thing's a bit regrettable, to be honest. I think, you know, anybody who's seen any kind of highlights of Toulouse or watched any full matches this year would say that they deserve their shot at Super League this year. And they've been knocking on that door for a while now as well. Yeah, and, and we said we said last week on the pod that um, Catalan versus Toulouse at Magic is a, is an ideal game, isn't it? Oh, it is, and there's all kinds of possibilities with Catalan to Toulouse, isn't it? Why not? You know, if it is to you know eventuate that Toulouse get promoted, and, and I don't want to presume because you know Featherstone are a very good side, and who'd rule out a, a John Keir surprise there or there anything like that. But if they do come through and win it, 
you know, why not kick off next Super League season with a, with a French derby down there? And, you know, you get a full house in that fantastic stadium in Toulouse. Um, as you say, Magic Weekend as well is another great possibility. Yeah. You know, could you have clubs going over to, to lose then Catalans back to back? So if you're a Hull KR fan, you could maybe watch your team play to lose on the Sunday and then Catalans on the Friday night combine a trip. There's all kinds of possibilities for yeah. if there was two French teams in there. And, and I think it's exciting. And if it happens, the sport has to make the most of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, speaking of, you know, Catalan and everything, um, Sam Tompkins for me has been phenomenal this year um and he's my man of steel i think this year um just wonder gary who do you think will will win man of steel this year yeah i fully agree i think he i think he deserves it i think he's been the and i mentioned paul mcshane before but you know he's been as influential as any anyone tomkins they, they do cover him quite well when he's not there but when he plays he's the center of everything they do well uh, and he's transformed his game hasn't he you know from that Fantastic player we saw at Wigan who looked like he was going to break the line every single time he had the ball. Mm. He's now an experienced, clever playmaker who knows when to run, knows when to pass. And, and that key thing about you know genuine star players, he, he makes guys around him look better all the time. So I absolutely agree with you. I think he, he is the, the deserving man of steel. The only other name I'd throw in, it's kind of, and I don't think he'll be anywhere near because of the voting system and it's kind of different spectrum in terms of how he plays, but... You know, I watch Morgan Knowles every week and the number of minutes that he plays and the tough stuff that he does without any kind of fuss. You know, he's his own kind of man of steel, but I fully expect Tompkins to win it, to be honest. Yeah, no, I agree. And and, and, and like you said about the point system, I, I love Morgan Knowles as a few others and I think um, who, who, go, who slip under the radar with the point system. And, and do you think that the point system needs to, to change? Like, would it be better to have, say, everybody gets a rating out of 10, say, yeah, it's really hard. I'm, I'm not sure there's an ideal one as well. I thought it was great when the players voted for it because players know players. But then you did get some guys taking the mickey and voting for the mates and, and that kind of discredited it, which was a real shame because mm. it was a small handful of players that did that. But it, it did get a bit of public attention. Yeah, uh, And people said, you know, this is making it a joke where, it, you know, it probably was only a fraction of, of the players. I think most of them took that genuinely seriously. Yeah. Um, I, I like the first this system when it first came out, but the more you you kind of watch it unfold, it does favour players in certain positions. I think, uh, and if you're playing in a, in an all star team, it's very difficult to like if you're Morgan Knowles and you've got another ten internationals in your team who are catching the eye every week. It's very hard to probably get the recognition that you deserve. So. Mm. Mm. I'm not sure what it, I mean. I was involved in, in years gone by when the media would vote for it, and and that was imperfect as well. You know, there was there was fault in that, and you know that one year James Roby won it, didn't he? When he played sub nearly all the season, and yeah. and people complained then as well. Mm. It's very difficult to find the perfect um, to find the perfect thing. I, I do like players, whether it be past players or current players, voting for it because I think that means a lot to the players themselves more so than if the media were voting for it. Mm, good point. Good point. And I think as a fan of a, of a club, obviously, if you go and watch whatever team every week, you go, well, he deserves it, and he deserves it, because you see more of that player. Mm, yeah. So I do think that, you know, like like Gareth says, the, the, the players, whether it be pre- past or present, like he said, I think he's probably the, the, the fairest way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Gareth, I want to just move on to where you see where we are as a game, if that's okay with you. Um, yeah. I mean... I mean, you did a, an, an excellent piece last week uh, with Ken Davey. Um, and 
it's it's interesting because I thought there was a lot of uh there was a lot of discrepancies between what Ken Davy was saying and what Ralph Rimmer said on on Sunday night. And you know, for example, you know, you reported that Ken Davy said that the, you know we needed significant change within the game, and yet Ralph Rimmer was saying, "Well, there's nothing wrong with the product." Um, and I'm I just I'm not sure where we, we seem to go around in circles with rugby league because fans seem to say, "Listen, this is the greatest game ever. We all know it's the greatest game." And then on the other side, there's other side. It's a dying sport, and that's what you, that's <laughs> yeah. what you read. And I and I've I've no doubt that we're probably somewhere in between. But I, I'm not sure, and I'd be interested in your thoughts about the progress that we've made, if you like, since the inception of Super League. Yeah, well, I'm, I agree. I agree with you. It probably is somewhere in the middle. And I must warn you now that all my mates tell me that I sit on the fence with everything. Um, <laughs> but I, I tell them that you get the best view of any argument if you sat in the middle looking on both sides. But um, I can understand fans' frustration at the moment, 100%. Um, what you've described there and the differences between Ken Davy and Ralph Rimmer is one of the many problems of split leadership, isn't it? Where yeah. you've got guys leading Super League and, and others leading the RFL. And, and obviously, they're the working towards remedying that. And it needs to happen. You know, I think we are always better as a sport when we're united. I don't think there's enough. Uh, I don't think we're a big enough sport or there's enough money in it to, to sustain two governing bodies when one could be perfectly adequate. Yeah. Um, but having said all this, I, I, I understand and hear more of these frustrations at the moment than anywhere else from, you know, and, and not people ranting and raving on, on social media. I'm never going to be in the, the sport is dying category because no. I started watching rugby league in the mid 80s where rugby league probably was dying it was played in crumbling stadiums and you pick up a Rothmans and look at the crowds on a week-to-week basis everyone talks about Wembley back in that day and fantastic we used to get 90,000 but that masked what was going through the turnstiles on a weekly basis and you know we now have a fully professional top tier played in fantastic stadiums for the most part and regular five-figure attendances which, which wasn't the case back then um but we have our issues and, and we as a sport we don't fulfill our potential, do we? I think most people would would agree on that. And and it, it comes from the top. You know, I think people want want some dynamic leadership and want somebody to grab hold of it and say, This is where we're going and, and I'm gonna take it there and, and, and I don't think that's happening at the moment. Um and it's a crucial time for all sports because of COVID um and because of T V deals, you know, it's down in rugby league, but that will be the case elsewhere outside of football, I suspect. You know, people are probably still a bit cautious about going back to games. People have less money because their own work situation has changed. So this is a big time for professional sport everywhere. And, and rugby league needs to grasp the metal and, and concentrate and, and focus and highlight its strengths and, and try and eradicate the, the weaknesses, which, you know, is often getting stuck in politics off the field. Um, you know, just briefly, I can give it like an insight. Working for a national media outlet, they have no real interest in the petty squabbling that goes on in rugby league. They want you to tell stories that any sports fan in the country will be mm. interested in. And we've got that in, you know, loads of it in the players and the stories and the, the close-knit that they are to the communities. But as a sport, sometimes we get too tied up in the political off-field stuff. And and I honestly think that people outside it look at it and roll their eyes. And, and you know, if we were talking about the, the action on the field a bit more, then that would be a good starting point for me. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think we need? Do you think we need some sort of derivative? You know, we've we've seen success with the uh, with the hundred, haven't we? This year, for example, and before that was T Twenty for cricket, and we've seen lots of these little things. Do you think? Do you think we 
benefit from having I don't know for example more of a uh, more of a regular nines comp or you know I suppose it depends on fixtures and when we can fit all these things in but um, something that would really grasp the, the nation's attention. So, so I think rugby league and rugby league nines is a format I really like has the potential to do that as as well as any sport. I think you throw some of the action and the collisions in front of a mass audience on BBC on a summer's evening like we've seen with the 100, um, then I think that would be absolutely huge for the game. My, my fear is that we'd do it half-heartedly or, um, you know, there wouldn't be enough finances behind it to do it properly and then it falls backwards and it ends up being a negative and a, a drain on the sport rather than what it should be. If you set a certain number of weeks aside in the summer like cricket have pretty much done and said we're putting all our star players into this, um, we're going to try and get a, a, a terrestrial TV deal and get it in front of some new eyes. And, and for six weeks of the summer, that is going to be our focus for, I don't know, three years to try and take it to a wider audience. Then, then it's definitely got potential. If you stick a midweek competition on Sky that's full of under-21s and, and academy players uh, and everybody's moaning about it, it would have the opposite effect. So it, it has to be done properly, but the potential is definitely there, I think. Yeah, definitely. We. We also seem, um, in, obviously in the 13-a-side game, we see a lot about structures as well at the moment and uh, there's continuous uh, rumours or, or discussions about changing the structure and we're looking uh, we're looking towards this, more likely towards this 10-10 structure, aren't we? But um, what's your ideal format for it? Why? why? Um, so just, be- just before we go on to that, I was thinking the other day, if, if restructures and rebranding were the key to, to sports being successful, we'd probably be above the Premier League, wouldn't we, in rugby league? We seem to be masters at, at restructuring and rebranding everything that we do. Um, but again, it, it needs to be done with a, with a vision and a, a long-term plan, doesn't it? I think people are, are getting fed up with the, the restructuring and, and Super 8s and this and that. And I spoke to the Rochdale chairman, Andy Merzi, last week, and he said, you know, just changing the number of teams in the top two divisions... Uh, and not doing anything else is, is not going to solve anything. So any restructuring has to be done with a with a proper plan. Um, now back, uh, I was looking back a few years ago and this came up before the Super 8s, I think. I, I, I won't talk in terms of two lots of 20 because I spend a lot of time speaking to clubs outside those top 20. And, and as a sport, we are bigger than 20 clubs. You know, there's 30-odd professional clubs. Yeah. Um, I think if you're talking four, four lots of 10, with a bottom league that was probably almost amateur, but as like an expansion entry league, um, I think you'd have a third tier then that would you'd have a natural certain amount of teams there. You know, most of them based up north, but with the potential from expansion teams to come into it yeah. that would that would compete well against each other. And then the key one is the second tier for me. That's got to be a place if you're going to do this that can potentially be professional. Um, yeah. so that relegation and promotion is easier and then you've got your top tier as well and maybe I, I really like top five playoffs as I like the system I think it's the fairest and most exciting uh, all four leagues have top five it's one up one down that's simple that's the next 10 years and that's what we're going to do uh, I think if you went down that road that, that might work you know I, I'm one of those people that when I hear this two loss of 20 my first instinct is saying well what about those outside it because there are some clubs out there that that have as much potential as some of those in Super League at the moment for me. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's re- I think that's really good. Um, and I think you're right. I think in in terms of the the four tens who one up and one down, I think that'd be um, I think that'd be excellent. Particularly like you said with the expansion, 
on the bottom because that's always a hot potato, isn't it, with the expansion and stuff. I mean, we're reading this week around um, Ottawa, aren't we, and whether Ottawa are going to come into League One for next year. And um, when Ralph Rimmer was asked about that on Sunday, we're not at that stage whether we can answer that yet, are we? So, But I think yeah. well, what you've just said there with the, with the four lots of ten, um, that would give that would give that chance for not so much the Canadian teams or Toronto or whatever, but you know when you yeah, but your Coventrys and West Wales absolutely. and London Scholars and um, you know, and I understand that the funding at that you know level is going to drop, and I'm talking as a Rochdale lad whose club is going to be hit by that. Yeah, um, so they're going to have to be realistic those clubs at that level over the next few years. But I think you've, you've still got a proper pathway then where you allow people to to dream of it and to think, well, if we get our stuff right, then we know exactly what we can do to to move up the leagues and. And I think it would provide a fairly natural four tiers. You know, I think we, probably, we haven't got 14 Super League clubs, I don't think, at the moment. You know, we might have one day, but I don't think we have at the moment. And it's it's debatable whether we've got 12. Yeah. Um, but you've probably got a lot of clubs below that. You, your witnesses, your Bradford, you know, even even Halifax, you know, why you know why Huddersfield so much bigger and more entitled than Halifax? They're not in reality. They've just had a lot of funding because they've been at the top tier. But you have that cluster of clubs in the second tier that they could have genuine ambitions of, of getting back to past glories. And then, like I said, your third tier, which would probably at the moment have your, your Rochdales, your, your Keithleys, clubs that think they can be a second tier team one day. And then who knows? I, I just think it would be quite a natural step up and down and, and would give everybody a bit of certainty. But again, unless you say this is us for 10 years and, and this is how the funding is going to work, it's no use just throwing it together and saying, Let's hope this works for two or three years because then we're back to square one again, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Gareth, one thing we did want to ask you was that um, one thing that Ralph Rimmer said on Sunday was, uh, was that we, as a sport, we'd never been as politically strong as we are now. We struggle to understand that. Can you shed any light on that, what he means by that? Yeah, I don't want to speak out of turn because, no. because my understanding of it was different to what I think a lot of people was. Now, I think people took that for him to mean that politically within the game and, and the governance and everything like that is as good as it's ever been. I, I think what he meant was Port's links with the, the actual national government um, and, you know, obviously with the, with the loan and everything. They've had a lot of talk and the World Cup and yeah. a lot of government funding from there. Yeah. I, I think he meant that. Now, I, I can't swear to that because I've not spoken to Ralph since, but I think... What he meant there was the sports links with the national government because of the World Cup and because of the emergency loan. And I know they've had a lot of discussion between them with, um, you know, the sport and, and culture secretary and things like that. I think he meant that stronger than ever rather than rugby league internally, politically, certainly isn't stronger than it's ever been at the moment, is it? That's what we need to sort out. Um, I think he meant that. Right. Yeah, no, that, ma- that makes sense, I think, particularly... Um, particularly, like you said, in light of the discussion with the World Cup, and, and hopefully that will um, that'll go ahead next year. Do you see a situation with that next year where we're still going to be in the same same position with the uh, NRL and the uh, New Zealand Rugby League? Well, I really, I really hope not. It was such a disappointment this year, and um, you know something that a lot of people still think could have been worked around to get it on this year. So, I, I really hope not. I mean, you know, we're talking about. Um, governing bodies and politics in rugby league and stuff and then you move up another level again to the international game and the, Australia's dominance generally of the whole picture don't you? which is probably another podcast altogether but yeah. I, I really hope um, that's all in place because the people who are organising the World Cup you know, as media we've dealt with them a lot and they've given us so much hope because of their professionalism and their kind of vision and ambition in everything they've done 
Uh, we're talking about, you know, people who could potentially have big goals in rugby league. What John Dutton, you know, from our point of view, has been fantastic throughout the whole thing. You know, he's, he's always very open, transparent. You can speak to him at any point. Um, but just the way they've been ambitious, you know, when they went and got Prince Harry to make the draw and that got them a load of publicity and yeah. they're getting big name sponsors on board. And um, so disappointing that, that that didn't happen this year. Hopefully it can be every bit as big next year. You know, with the stadiums they're going to, that's ambitious, isn't it? Going to Arsenal and places like that. Yeah. Um, I just think everything about it's been great. So I really hope that we don't have those same problems again because that is an event that could change the direction of rugby league in this country for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I mean, I was really excited for it. And like Gareth says, I hope it can, you know, be just as good next year. Um, but I think finally, Gareth, you know, we were talking about, you know, names there, like uh, Prince Harry and things like that. The other names that keep popping up in rugby league that people seem to, to keep crying out for are the Hearns. Do you think that would be a smart move by rugby league to get them involved? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know that much about the Hearns. Obviously, I know about what they do and how successful they've been. I, I don't have any personal links or insight on that level. But the impression that you get is that what they take hold of and 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 kind of transform as they have done, they control completely. Um, and obviously, that would be an absolute quantum leap from where we are now, where still, you know, the biggest, most influential people in the sport are the club owners in Super League. Really, mm. um, I can only see them getting involved if it was. Um, like a lock stock thing and, and the cynic inside me thinks they'd probably wait till we were in an even worse position than now and, and you couldn't say no and then maybe they might take it on I, I can't imagine in a million years that Eddie Hearn's going to not waste his time but you know spend his time um, just promoting the Challenge Cup or coming in to help with Magic Weekend when he's dealing with Anthony Joshua's fights with Ty- <laughs> yeah. Tyson Fury. Yeah, just, $60 million dollars not, they throw, yeah. Yeah, it's just not realistic, that. So no. um, while it's a lovely idea and, and they have been uber successful and it's probably what they are, provide is probably a lot of what the sport lacks and needs, Yeah. Um, un- unless it's them taking control of the whole thing, I'd be amazed if it ever happened. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. I've just got one final question for you, Gareth, before we let you go. Um, just, it's 2025. What would you like to see the position of Rugby League be by that time? Right, so I'd like to, um, the first thing, I think you should start at the top all the time. So I'd like to be looking forward to this fantastic World Cup in France at the end of the year, um, at the end of 2025. A well-organised, um, you know, spread across the, the key areas in the south of France that are rugby league strongholds and looking to build on what had been the most successful World Cup ever in 2022 where, you know, despite that postponement, the tournament organisers created this fantastic event that gave everybody a lift. Um, I think then you look down domestically and and (laughs) I hope we've got some clear, direct leadership so that there's one governing body and one figurehead who's taking that sport forward. and we've had, what, three years of genuine stability, so 22, 23, 24, um, where we've got a structure that we all know and is, is staying in place um, and is clear and simple for people to understand. Um, by 2025, we're going to be into a, two, a new TV deal, aren't we? So I'd be hopeful that that is longer than the current two-year one. Um, and I hope there's a vision for the sport overall so that we're not talking about two lots of 20. We're talking about maybe four lots of 10. And we've got a vision for your Coventry Bears and, and your West Wales and, and your London Scholars and people who work so hard and, you know, literally dedicate the lives, some of those people, to trying to spread rugby league, yeah. that they've got the support and, and funding to to give us some hope for the long-term future that, you know, this fantastic sport that we all love can 
can one day become absolutely as big as it deserves to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a job for you somewhere there, Gareth, at the top of Super League, I think, somewhere. Yeah. I know, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> Listen, Gareth, I just want I know you've got I know you've got young children and they probably and Yeah, they've been yeah. quiet for half they an have, hour, so uh, maybe you should bring me every time at this week. So, yeah. It'll probably be a lot easier. Um, but I just want to thank you for just spending the time with us. It's been absolutely eye opening and it's been a, a fantastic uh, addition to our pod and I, and I, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on. No problem, I'll give us a shout anytime and, uh, and good luck with the pod and everything there. It's great to see these podcasts happening and people talking with such passion about rugby league. It's, uh, it shows what the sports strengths are. Machine. Brilliant. Yeah, like, like Andy says, thank you, Gareth. I really enjoyed it. I've just been sat here listening to every word, so, you know, thank you. Brilliant. Yeah, and hopefully we'll speak to you again soon. Good stuff. Thanks a lot, guys. Enjoy the rest of the season. Will do. Cheers, Thanks, Gareth. Thank you. Thanks. Wow, well... How good was that then? What did you make of that? Oh, I thought Gareth spoke absolutely fantastically there. Yeah. Um, really um, had a vision for where the, the game should be, mm. which is the vision that I think that we should all have for 2025, where he was saying about the World Cup and the structures. Um, yeah. I, I love the, the idea of the 10-10-10-10, I must admit, yeah. and the, uh, uh, the top five playoffs. Yeah. I mean, like you say there, the, the vision that he had for 2025, it's nothing that, that can't be done. It's not like he was saying, oh, I want us to be bigger than the Premier League. Well, everybody wants that, but it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen, is it? But yeah. But, so, but, but what, he would, you know, what he was saying is, is just more than achievable, I think. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. So thanks, Gareth. That's, uh, that was, that was uh, wonderful, I thought. Yeah, splendid, that. So, very quickly then, to wrap up, because I realise we've gone on a bit longer tonight, but I think it's been worth it. Yeah, I agree. Um, there's a, a few fixtures this weekend, one that you want to start with? Uh, yes, the uh, Rugby League Wheelchair Grand Final is uh, live on Sky this weekend. That's a big coup, isn't it? That is a big coup, you know, and um, it's Lee Rhinos against Leyland Warriors, and that's on Sunday at 3 o'clock on Sky Sports Arena. You ever seen the wheelchair rugby? The, brutal, isn't it? They're, they're monsters, aren't they? Brutal. Yeah. Well worth a watch, that. Yeah. Okay, well, best luck to both teams. Yeah. Um. Oh, and also, this Storm game has been moved. Their, their, their prelim final has been moved um, in a couple of weeks, so it doesn't clash with the AFL grand final. The Aussie rules? Yeah. Um, it's still on Saturday, um, but it's been moved from... 7.30 to 4pm. That's in... What does that mean for us, then? Queensland time. I don't know what that means for us. That means it's on at about 5 in the morning or something. Oh, no. So... That's a repeat on Watch NRL, and then it's... stay out all night. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be at work. Um, I'll stay out all, all right. night. Just on to ours very quickly, then, on Super League. The last round, uh, Castleford and Warrington. What's going to go on there? Um... <laughs> I see Cass winning. It's a nothing game for Warrington, really, in the grand scheme of things, unless they're saying, actually, we want to play all KR or Leeds. Mm. In. I'm backing Cass, and you're backing Cass, which means that they've got no chance. <laughs> yeah. But if they do win, um, then that leaves one spot open for Leeds versus Hull KR. And who's taking that? Hull KR. I'd like to see that. They're just playing better. I'd like and to I, see I, that. I don't know, you know, going off what Leeds had against St. Ellen's, it didn't have much about them, whether that was... And, mm. and I don't know their injury crisis, or I don't know... So what I mean is, I don't know so, who was injured and who was being rested. 
So your choice for the playoffs is Cass and Hull KI with Leeds to miss out. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. I think Leeds are probably 12 months early. I think next year there'll be a, um, a completely different side. Yeah. And then the rest, not a lot to play for in the rest of the game. Salford and Saints. Again, it depends what, you know, if Saints have got a week off, are they going to rest players? Are they not going to rest players? Yeah. Um, you you would think they would play an half decent team, and you'd think that'd still be enough to get past Salford. But you don't fancy a random trip to Salford taking your doctor friend? <laughs> Might do. <laughs> See if he's on call or not. <laughs> um, Wakefield Hull wouldn't surprise me if Wakefield won. No, no, I think they've give up Ampton Hull, give up the season. Mm-hmm. I think haven't they? Uh, Wigan and Catalan. Um, I think probably Catalan, just because I think Wigan will rest players because they don't get that that rest week. And you wouldn't have thought. And that... Catalan have rested a few, so unless they're resting the whole, the other half this week, I, I don't know. You wouldn't have wanted to think that they would want to go into the playoffs losing two on the trot either, Catalan. No. So, yeah, I'd, I'd take Catalans on that. And Huddersfield and Lee. Probably Huddersfield. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And again, that doesn't really mean much to either side, I don't think, does it? No, I don't think so. so. Well, what an episode. Episode 29 has been eventful. I know. Episode 29 already. I know. It's been eventful, though, hasn't it? It has. It's been uh, one of the best ones, I think. I think so as well. So um, I think that does it, doesn't it? It certainly does do it. So if you're watching this week, wherever you're watching, enjoy your rugby league. Thanks again to Gareth. And it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.